Welcome to the Port Charles Update with your hosts, Mish and Mel. Hello, busy lady. Hello, my lovely sister. So, thank you. You're squeezing everyone in, including myself, during a very busy trip of yours. Oh my gosh, it's been a world when trade shows are exhausting. My voice sounds a little worse for wears this morning, but yes, totally, of course. (laughs) So, we just have a little warning, I guess. Some news, some of it a warning for next week's episode, podcast episode. (laughs) Okay. Everybody ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this may explain why, I mean, I typically have a good memory, but why my memory has been affected for the last nine freaking months was because <laughs> having a baby number three and it's due basically we're on baby watch right now. We have a set date. Uh, Mel is coming down to take care of me while I'm in the hospital. So the thing is, we don't know because <laughs> basically she's, <laughs> she's coming like at the end of the, she meaning the baby is coming at the end of next week. So we may we may be able to record in the hospital and get our, our episode ready for Saturday. But just a little heads up that maybe we won't. <laughs> so if you don't have an episode <laughs> from us next week, that will be the reason why. So you guys can all go blame the baby. Kids. Oh my gosh. Get in the way of everything. <laughs> so unpredictable. Oh my goodness. And I cannot wait. <laughs> but something else that's a little unpredictable was like mm-hmm. the soft and sweet Sunny Julian moment. That's all I, that's how I can really just put it. They, it's, such, it's so interesting to see them together because Sunny, I find since I think like last week and this week, he's a little up and down and a little harsh, a little moody. You know, he's kind of like, I don't know what's going on with him these days. So he was all hyped up to be so mad at Julian. And Julian's like, dude, just, just chill out. I'll give you what you need. Well, we, <laughs> we've, we've talked about this before. They Like no one who I guess hates him is allowing themselves to see how he's not that person anymore, you know, right. like especially with Sonny and Carly and even Sam, she kind of refuses to see that whatever ideas you have of him don't necessarily hold up a hundred percent of the time anymore. I know. I just want to say, Sonny, Sam, just come sit with me. Let's watch an episode or two. You'll see he's a lovely person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that could be arranged. But I think, I think the moment happens where like, oh, this is so cute. They're trying to remain status quo and be like, I hate you. I hate you still. But then <laughs> five minutes later, we basically realize why this truce happened because two minutes later brad like he figures out brad's major secret and who the 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 father really is and that it's really michael's baby so now we understand you know things are going to soften between you and sunny and now you're faced with this massive like this insane news and i i loved his reaction what did you say me i was just gonna say that i can't remember the specific word like he was very hyped and then he used a specific word and I can't remember what it is right now but his reaction to the scene Brad telling him and the the emotion with which he told him but yeah Brad for lack of a better word Brad is a terrible person and he totally sucks <laughs> because <laughs> he just really is in the absolute worst position possible and what is he supposed to do now like that knife scene when he was like given a drink to Obrick and she was passed out of the bar I was like Whoa, what is but it but it may okay so, okay, so exactly, you know, I mean, you put him in the worst position, and even though Brad keeps whining about, like, the consequences he'll pay and all this, I don't recall you saying at any point in time 
that you're going to keep Julian out of this because it's too late. Lucas knows that there's something bothering Brad and he knows he's been close with Julian and it's Mm -hmm. not going to be like far fetched for Lucas to kind of then go, did you know? To Julian, and then to believe, oh, I only knew towards the end ish. And we don't know how long the end ish is going to be. So I just think at the end of the day, you know, Julian may suffer more consequences than Brad would. Like, I don't think Sonny would kill Brad because you have, because when things are really obvious, Sonny does let the police handle it. Mm-hmm. Like, when somebody can go to jail or whatever, he just sort of allows it to be. And given that Brad was family, I don't think he would really do that to Lucas. So there's that. So I think Brad is right when he, he kind of says, maybe I'll end up in jail. But I don't think Sonny would hurt him. But I mean, what's to stop Sonny from hurting Julian? Exactly. Okay, so that's the part that really upset me in terms of like Brad saying, your son will lose, you know, his child and he'll lose me. But what about Julian? Like they just fostered a relationship. Julian's on the up and up. And you, you, my friend, are bringing him down okay, in so, so okay, many so- ways. Um, exactly. And that's, that's the point when I was watching the show and I was just like, wow, Brad really knows how to take accountability. First, it's Nell's idea Mm -hmm. to steal a baby. And now it's Julian's responsibility to kill Obrecht. And he is responsible for a possible negative outcome for his own son. And I just thought that was completely insane. 100%. Brad has completely lost his mind. And he genuinely, like you said, like he's not taking accountability for the fact of, how he's destroying Julian's relationship with his son. No. Like, like, <laughs> oh, like I can't, I can't, I can't with Brad anymore. And, and, like, the, and, and this whole like concept of murdering Obrecht, I just have to say, like, I just think it's like a moot point, you know, and I think Julian sees that. And I loved how he called him on how stupid he was again for a lack of a nicer word when it comes to Brad when he was like oh okay so basically he pointed out to Brad Nell's a sociopath and you got played like he was able to kind of see through that nothing about what Nell did was genuine in any way it wasn't about a mother helping her child I mean it was everything she does has like you know it's like a means to an end you know everything is about a goal that she has and getting what she wants And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the best interests of anyone else but herself. And murdering Obrecht, and he pointed it out, like, it doesn't change anything. You still have one person out there that can out you whenever she feels like it. And she doesn't even need a big reason. And the fact that Brad thinks her being in prison is enough or that she just (laughs) wouldn't. I'm sorry. Are you forgetting the trip you had to Pentonville? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. She was, like, right up there on him, letting him know or asking him questions and bringing everything to the surface. Like, what is wrong with him? She brought Wiley up so many times. It's right there. She's never going to let it go. Like, no. I, I, I kind of want to see Brad in jail. Especially after being so brazen with Julian today. Like, I, I really do. Like, it's just too much for me. I don't know how long he'll really stay there. Um, I but I, I still Who stays in jail in Port Charles anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're if you're more than one, I feel. <laughs> because, <laughs> because then they have a reason to go back and film some scenes. But no, I and the whole thing I just find really reminiscent of Ava murdering Connie to protect a secret that came out anyway. You know what I mean? Like Bye. she murdered Connie because she knew Julian's real identity, but there were 
other ways of finding out Julian's identity <laughs> and it did happen, which is why this for me, that's like the main reason I'm wondering, like, I, th- I think that could be a very big reason Julian just doesn't just out of common sense, <laughs> like just out of freaking common Logic. sense. That some, you know that like it, it's gonna cu- it could come out by another way so it's just like it, it doesn't really help anything and if he were to do that I think it would be going against all of the advice he keeps giving Brad at this point which is you keep inviting trouble and so I don't think Julian would really act or do anything um, to harm Obrecht despite what we've seen so far that that's just what I think I just don't think he's going to to really do anything and I think it's about time he just leaves like, you know, let Brad hang to dry at this point. I'm just thinking, because I just remembered that when Ava had enough of Nell, mm-hmm. um, she ended up turning in the blanket to try to... Uh, she, de- she decided that it was in her best interest to make peace with Sonny and Carly. Like, she decided that was best for her than playing Nell's game. And Ava was kind of reluctant. She never really wanted to get her hands too messy. Because when we talked about this, putting effort mm-hmm. into other people, even if it's to take them down, <laughs> is not really Ava's style. She's like, well, then there's less time for me. And so as it kept progressing, and this was a long, long plan that Nell had going on, she became really disinterested and started to question if it was worth it. And so I kind of wonder, you know, Julian is trying to be this really good person. And I wonder if at the end of the day, he will choose that it would be in his best interest to just do something to align himself closer with Sunny, with Sunny, basically. Okay, so you basically read my mind, because what I was going to say is that scene with Ava, Obrick, and right. Julian, when he decided right. to give her, like, a higher proof alcohol, he was kind of, you know, Ava's like, if you're Jerome, you're Jerome, la, 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 la. But he has changed, and everybody, like, we know <laughs> that he has changed. And he was kind of straddling that line of, should I do something bad or not? And he did something very mild, I think, just to see how he would feel. And he did not want, from what I got from the scene, he did not oh. want to go through with anything severe. And exactly that, debating, where does he lie in all of this? If he wants to continue this path of good, he's moving to New York to continue this path of good. It is definitely a choice for him every single day. He's not going to be pulled down by Ava or anybody else or even Brad. That or even Kim. <laughs> even Kim to solidify his relationship with his son like would he start by telling him and then aligning with Sonny but I I really feel that maybe Julian might play a really big role in this whole thing coming out too just for the sake of the greater good I like that idea and when I was talking to you I just kept that scene of them three was flashing in my head and the way you put it now I think it makes a lot of sense I think it makes a lot of sense to interpret all of that as Julian testing himself and seeing you know, where he's at in his life. And I think he has changed. Like, despite the conversation Ava was having, I think she's projecting. I think that's true for her because at the end of the day, you know, she, all she said was that Julian was moving away from his kids. And I'm like, yeah, but he's like, he's developed a relationship <laughs> with them and it's something you've never really been able to cultivate. And even her like remarks about Sunny, about like how he makes his kids miserable, but they're so loyal to him. I was like, that's, Maybe that's why you don't understand because your Mm -hmm. perception that he makes them miserable and they're loyal like drones doesn't really make any sense. Like you've seen his kids. They have personality. They have a mind of their own. Like, you know, Christina, you know, Michael, like the adult children and, you know, Dante, like he was a cop. I okay. So the thought is the scene was, you know, Ava's sitting there and Sonny is there with Joss and Dev and Sonny was just being a parent and it just. 
that's the thing about Eva. She doesn't know how to be a parent. So to her, him being a parent is him being a downer and making his kids miserable. But he was just getting Joss to understand how severely worried her mother was and that she needed to get her butt home. But to Ava's interpretation, it's like, oh, he here he is just like stomping on somebody else's life, trying to control her and bring her home. No, he's being a parent, something you don't know how to do. Okay, yeah, I think I think you touched on something because Kiki has always referenced Ava's parenting style as being more of a friend and not necessarily having structure. Um, yes. So, yeah, so I think that makes uh, a lot of, of sense that she doesn't actually understand that, which I, ironically enough makes me like her character more because the more, <laughs> because I just find her character consistent and complicated. And so Very I really like true. that because it makes her come alive so much more because we can actually start to like understand her very twisted way of seeing things and her twisted way of seeing things makes so much sense of why she does what she does. So I kind of, these messed up things that we keep picking up on Ava just honestly makes me like her character just so much more. And the reason why I mentioned it came in the whole like, you know, you don't want to have anything bringing Julian down at this point. Mm -hmm. I say this because he puts a lot in Kim in the sense that Kim is this physical representation of that he's a different person. And I just don't think she can be that for forever. You know what I mean? Like, I think she <laughs> she's being pulled in a very <laughs> different direction. And so that's why I also think it might be in his best interest to kind of be the one to blow this whole thing up and to ha help get the truth out and to kind of build that bridge with Sonny because I don't think he's going to have things like him to really depend on to prove to people that he's a good person. Exactly. Because people keep all these like people who want him to change and who judge him tend to come <laughs> up to him for favors. So that's all I'm, I'm saying about that. So what did you think about, um, well, Kim and Franco scenes this week? Oh my. Okay. I was torn because like we talked about last week, I'm in it. Like I'm so in the fact that he is Franco. Sorry, he's Drew when they're together. Feel it. I feel the energy. You know, like she she can deny it all she wants. She can have all the scenes in the I world with Elizabeth. I don't think she's denying it. In front of Elizabeth, I guess a little bit. Not super well. <laughs> but when she was thinking back about that kiss, and then when she went to go see him in his room, and when he was comforting her, which was a weird scene because why? Because oh, he's oh. <laughs> Right, comforting her about Drew, it really tripped me out. Like I, <laughs> so I can't imagine how she was handling the loss of Drew, being comforted by Drew. Yeah, I don't think she had a problem with it. Ultimately, <laughs> she got a hug out of it. I was just disappointed that they didn't have sex because I was just like, but the hey, bed's right there. You're in a freaking hotel room for crying out loud. It's also weird for me watching people receive news that Drew's dead. It's such a, it's just, is the, is the right word anticlimactic? Does that mean the opposite of like something Climactic? big? Yeah. <laughs> is that what that means? Because that's how I feel it's happening. Like you're getting these strong reactions, but I'm just like, I mean, he walked into an elevator and now he's dead. <laughs> like that's the last we saw of it. He walked into an elevator and then the doors closed and now he's like at the bottom of an ocean. Sure, whatever. So it's, it's, it's weird for me, the whole thing, but whatever, it's happening. So yeah, so she gets the news. It's hard for her because I'm just thinking like, well, it's got to suck. Because <laughs> you, knew, like, 
your son just died. You're having a hard time with that. And the guy you tried to get a little rapey with is now dead. Mm -hmm. That's got to suck. Like you're basically your whole family. And I just feel like that's all the more reason to like hold on to the Drew in front of you. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I like that. Oh my God. the name of our podcast oh 1000% <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh and when Chase came in I mean that's that's I mean Franco loved it he loved her jumping to his defense and I just think that mm. when you see that that passion like it, it, it does like to me it, it gives me a, a real like glimpse into what she had with him that she had a lot of passion and that they were both very um, I'm not going to say like irrational or any of those words, but like, I guess passionate would be the right word that they were for each other. And you've not seen that side of Kim. You know what I mean? Like you haven't no. seen that. You don't see it with Julian. You didn't really see it since she showed up. So it is kind of interesting to see that they clearly were a force as a couple. And I, again, with Chase, I'm like, it just sucks. Like, you know, the moment you become part of the PCPD, it's like you just have no brain and no tact. <laughs> and I'm just like, once again, you're barking up the wrong path. And then it turns out, you know, you're doing it, but you're doing it anyway. And you're leading these people to believe that they're a suspect when you know that they're not. Like, it was just a weird scene. If anything, I guess the whole point of Chase showing up there was, I guess, to push them together even more. I think so. It was for her because that was the moment where she called him Drew. Yeah. Yeah. She and he pointed that out forth. to her. Yeah. And that made him really, really happy. Um, okay. So what, okay, so th- this is really hard because it's like, we, a lot of people think that the storyline's ridiculous, but I mean, like we dealt with this for years though. Like Drew was Jason for a very long time. And then we dealt with the fallout of it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that bizarre. It's just extended into this storyline. And I do find it interesting. Um, um, I don't think it's far-fetched because it's really just an extension of what's been happening. And mm-hmm. and it really does put into question, you know, what is real. And I was, you know what's really funny? I was thinking about Andre Maddox. I was thinking about the whole point of his research. He took on this research because he had mm-hmm. wanted to help his wife with Alzheimer's. Oh, that makes so much sense. So, well, they had to give him a noble reason as to why he was doing this. (laughs) Um, If he had a chance of kind of remaining in the show or whatever, even though he's not really. So I kept thinking about that. And and whenever, you know, Sunny, they they go back into the Alzheimer's storyline, they talk about how, like, you lose the person twice. You know, you lose the person through death. Mm. But then before that happens, you lose the essence of that person. And then often what's said is that, like, this person is no longer my father. This person is no longer my wife. They, they're a completely different person. And so mm-hmm. you're losing them at that point. So I just find it such a weird and interesting contrast that we would say to somebody that, you know, they're losing themselves and that's hard. Yeah. It's, a, it's a death before the actual physical death. But then with Franco, he has the essence of a person and he's being told that like, you know what I mean? It's like the opposite. I do. It's really so, interesting too, because even in his conversation with Kim, he's like, I know physically I'm not the person, but he, did. I think he may have used the word essence as well, but like he did. inside. He's, yeah. He understands. He goes, I know that it's that guy's DNA that fathered Oscar, but like, but that's mm. the thing you're asking him to you're, you're asking him to, like, deny every reality in your mind. But he mm-hmm. knows. That's what I mean. He's not delusional, which is why I like the whole, like, the whole Scott realizes it's not going to work in court. And I don't think it would because, like, you'd have Franco going to court being like, yeah, I know that 
physically I am Franco, but I mm -hmm. have these memories. And how can you deny that that happened? It's not like he woke up one day and thinks that he's Drew. A procedure happened. A procedure has been done in the past. Exactly. And somebody else held those memories. And somebody else played somebody else's life for I don't know how many years. <laughs> so it just, it, it just wouldn't work, this whole like court case that Scott and Elizabeth were trying to do. So it is really hard for me that I go back and forth because I do understand Elizabeth's point. She doesn't want to lose him. But to this day, it's just Drew never got his memories back. Yes. And he, you know, he tried to live another life, but he kind of had one. You know what I mean? He had more than five minutes. He's been in this situation for like, what, three days? <laughs> Give the guy a break. <laughs> exactly. But it's just, it's just hard to wrap my, my head around because, you know, and I get it. That's the thing. Like, it's very fresh for Elizabeth and she is desperate and she's trying to do all these things. But what did surprise me was when she went to go see Andre. And she seemed to be shocked that the state could be permanent or that it couldn't be reversed. And I was like, okay, but you had a meeting at your house with your sister, with Curtis, with the real Drew, and you talked about all of these outcomes. The only new outcome that we've learned, which was a fourth outcome, was mm -hmm. the sharpening of Franco's memories, which it turns out is what yes. Peter is afraid of. Which I find really interesting as well. So like he would remember the details of, maybe what happened during the kidnapping or a little bit more past that point of him being taken away. Exactly. And then I actually was catching up on That's Awesome podcast. And so they had the actress playing Maxie, Kristen Storms, on it. And so she mm -hmm. was explaining the... Because I think they're really far in the storyline and it sounds like <laughs> she filmed with Jason and stuff from what, from what they were talking about. And, okay. But they didn't know where they were and what was being aired. So I guess it's going to get a little interesting with Peter. Um, but in that podcast, she explained it further. She was explaining that Maxie knows that he's a part of it, but she has no idea that he masterminded the whole thing. So, so to everyone else and to her, they see Peter as kind of like just like a victim of his circumstance and that like he was part of it and that he tried mm -hmm. to save Jason, which is what they're trying to show us. Like, I guess as the audience, like we just felt like, oh, he's involved, he's involved. Yeah. And we didn't really catch that nuance, but that's what Maxie was trying to explain is that there is one that she knows and holds a very particular truth about Peter. Interesting. Cause to me, it's like same, same. <laughs> like, that, I think, I think that's how a lot of people see it. But I mean, I guess if you're dating someone and you're like, <laughs> okay, you did a bad thing. You were kind of like part of it, but then you find out that they masterminded it. Would it change anything? And I guess that's what we're going to have to wait and see and, and find out when it comes to their relationship or anybody who actually knows Peter. Um, okay, so so what did you think about, okay, so a couple of things. Monica. So Monica talks to Andre, and she's yes. basically insinuating, like, I don't want the procedure to take place. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, when it comes to the procedure, I just don't want Franco to be forced to do anything. Like, I, I just think it's cool yes. to do, and I don't think Andre would do that. Like, I don't think... Because even though Scott went to Sunny and asked to like detain Franco, if it came to that, mm -hmm. from Frank from Andre's like conversations with people, I just don't think he would force. Uh, he would do it. So I think there's a lot there that suggests that this will just kind of be like 
Franco will be Drew for, for some time now. But when Monica was saying, like, I need answers before this happens, I was just laughing because I'm like, you could also just go to the hotel room and talk to Franco, right? which she did. Because I'm like, Andre's kind of, like, in the hospital. So, I mean, <laughs> he like, I'm anything. just saying, like, you can get what you want without having to, like, make sure he never gets the procedure. But I am happy that she kind of got that a little um, but that's was... what I mean. Reality is all relative. You know, Monica's there trying to talk to her son. <laughs> and who it... knows? And like, I'm just saying, like, who knows how she's going to like, because now she knows that Drew may be dead. So I don't know how much Monica would fight to keep this one. And that, that's exactly it. That's exactly what I was going to say. That conversation started off. She called him by his name. She she greeted him as Drew. He let her in. He was still a little guard in that whole conversation. And he's like, what do you want to know? And I just thought it was cute that she asked, like, you know, I want to know everything about your life that I miss, your love, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she kept going on. And then she's like, what's your favorite movie? And the fact that they, I mean, a million people like that same Christmas movie. But she was just so happy that they liked the same Christmas movie that, yes, I really believe that she's going to fight for him. So he's going to have Monica and Kim on like having his back. Whoa. That's a powerful duo because I think, I think, you know, should Kim choose to stay, you know, he might soften with Monica and take more of her help. Like right now he's accepting her legal help. And I think there may come a point where he might accept a bit more from her. And that would be interesting because then he'd be a quarter main, which is hilarious because when he showed up, he did, I think live in the quarter main house for, for a period. So mm-hmm. that would be really, really interesting. <laughs> Anyways, this is what I mean. It's it's a hard, it's a hard thing to understand because it's like you could completely understand Elizabeth's perspective. And I was just yeah. laughing because like once again, once again, like Kim gets followed. <laughs> She's, you know, whether it's Alexis and Elizabeth, and I mean sometimes they could be the same level of crazy. But like I just was thinking because like whenever I try to think of the situation and what Elizabeth did, you know, I know it was different. Like, like, but then I realized. No, it wasn't. <laughs> this week, I was like, wait a minute. Because I was talking about the fact that, well, you know, Drew had no memory. And she thought it was Jason. And she kept it a secret. But it was just a moment that Elizabeth sort of did the whole, you know, you re- like the whole accepting of reality stuff. Like mm-hmm. accepting it. And I, yes. and, and, and I was just thinking to myself, well, well. Hmm. Did you really... <laughs> accept reality like you're asking Kim to step down so that Franco can return to his true family meanwhile Mm -hmm. you kept who we thought was Jason at the time who you thought was Jason at the time away from his real family and when the truth did come out and Sam was kind of furious and then Sam had to walk around trying to and she was still with Patrick at this point trying to prove that Elizabeth did know and it wasn't just sort of like this secret that exploded and it was a shock to her But the whole idea was, like, Elizabeth didn't exactly encourage Jason to go back to Sam, just the opposite. She tried to Hmm. be like, well, it's my turn. And isn't that kind of what Kim's sort of saying? That is so true. Oh, my. Okay. When you put it like that, because I was thinking the same thing, like, well, that is calling the kettle. And we're not going to start with expressions. Yeah, don't. Don't. You only know the first part of all expressions. (laughs) 
Um, so what I'm going to say is instead that when she was saying that speech to Kim, I really was thinking about the fact that, wow, you know, like you did the exact same thing. How can you just sit there? But that's when my old Elizabeth feelings came back. Like, how yes, dare you sit did. there and judge somebody else and be that person? Because this is the Elizabeth that I don't like. You're just trying to judge other people, but you have done some really not so good things yourself. So just take a chill pill. I know it's hard. <laughs> but maybe she can at least keep him in town and not run away with him. Like, let's try to work together here. <laughs> exactly. And so it's just, that's exactly it. A lot of the old Elizabeth for me came out. And when you say mm-hmm. that, it takes me a next to Elizabeth and Sam's interaction. So the thing with Elizabeth, she did try to be as soft as she could and as understanding as we've known Elizabeth to be in these kinds of like, no, he's my man situations. Mm-hmm. She was as calm as she could ever possibly be. Like if we compare her fighting over a guy with anyone else, this is like the most tame she was with Kim. However, like you exactly like how you put the things and her rationalizations were just that they were rationalizing her getting what she wants without really taking in the whole truth. And we get it. You know, we get it. You want your spouse, but Kim also wants her missed chance. And if anybody can understand a missed <laughs> chance, I think it's Elizabeth, but I think she's far away from really getting there. And I think that's completely Mm -hmm. understandable. But when I saw her with your interaction with Sam, I guess I kind of figured out the other reason why I had a problem liking her. And I mean, Obrecht always says that, you know, that she acts like a little porcelain doll or like Carly will Mm -hmm. say she acts like a victim all the time or like, oh, little old me kind of a thing. And I think that's true. She does tend to kind of do that. Like, oh, poor me. But then I realized, like, she copped to it, though. Like, she really did. But the point is, I was like, oh, that's that's the other piece to why I've had trouble, like, liking her in the past. Because she admits, no, like, when she was trying to explain to her sister, like, it wasn't Sam's fault. Like, Sam just, you know, she's trying to tread water with her. She's mm-hmm. trying not to say anything. Because the thing is, look, you all feel a certain way. And the whole idea is you can feel and think differently and still find a way to be compassionate to each other when you're suffering. And that's all that was trying to happen. So why do we have to push it forward? And that's what Elizabeth mm-hmm. keeps doing with Jason and Sam. It's like, what are you looking for them to say? That your relationship is equal as ours or better? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think she's looking to reach that level, that status of like, what an amazing relationship. The way like Diane, I, I don't know if you were watching back then, but a long time ago, there was a scene and there was a legal issue happening between, um, what's Elizabeth's sister's name again? <laughs> Hayden. See, now I can say pregnancy brain. Okay, so Hayden, <laughs> when Hayden and Nicholas were married, and Hayden was trying to, to get Diane to do this legal thing, and Diane was saying, well, I need to talk to Nicholas. And then she said, look, if this was between Sunny and Carly, there'd be no hesitation. And she was using them as an example, as a solid couple Ooh. to to Hayden, you know, to, to, to point out a difference. And I think that if anything, Elizabeth just wants to reach that super couple status. And I don't know, because she's constantly pushing for, for just Sam and Jason to be okay with it. And I'm like, I don't see why they matter. Like you have so many other people in your lives that have accepted Franco, but it bothers her so much that this core group doesn't accept him but they do like they accept him they just don't like it exactly exactly okay so it kind of okay so two things she wants them to accept it and throw her a party over and be elated she kind of reminds me a little bit of Ava like Ava kind of runs on the outskirt of things we did see her in the mix of things with Felicia and Laura at some point when they were trying to take Ryan down where she felt like she was in the inn 
but she always has this kind of chip on her shoulder that she wants to be accepted. But not only does she want to be accepted and respected, she wants everybody to throw a party for her. So I feel like Elizabeth's similar in that sense. But that's the worst part. She's not even as far as Ava. And I just think when we talk about accepting reality, I just think like you made a choice to be with Franco knowing it would be Mm -hmm. a rocky road. But the whole point was it was worth it because it makes you happy. It makes your boys happy. And I think you need to accept that reality when it comes to that relationship that yes, some people who really love you and that are really in your close, close inner circle are going to make that effort for you and try to see what you see and support you both as a couple, which is why all those people were at your wedding. You didn't see Jason and Sam at your wedding. So I just feel that like, you know, she has to kind of accept everything that comes with choosing this person and why she's doing it. But yeah, so in terms of like the thing that I didn't like was I realized and she admits to it is that she tends to push, push, push and push Mm -hmm. and that she didn't back off. And then she acts like the victim. In this case, she didn't. She she actually owned it. But I think that's why in the past I had a problem with her is that she participates just as much as she calls like Carly or all these other people, like she, she doesn't like them or anybody that she's fought with. She's basically fought with anybody that dates Nicholas, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I realized she fights, she throws venom just as much as they do. But then after she does it and sometimes she starts it, it is, Oh, poor me. She, they did this to me and she does act like the victim. So that's what's, what's bothered me about her in the past. And it was interesting to have her pointed out to her sister and also even cop to it in front of Sam, which is different. True. I did like that. And that's a very good point. I didn't kind of piece it together the way you did, but I 100% see it and agree with the feeling because it's hard sometimes to place exactly what it is, but she stays, it comes out every now and then. So she's still very consistent, but she has more depth to her character now, but like it or not, yes. she is what she is. I do think that she's a bit more developed than she was in the past, but I have to admit, like, for I, I just, I just feel like everybody has lost someone and I'm sure like, obviously Elizabeth knows what it is to lose somebody. And when people say things like, well, at least he died in vain. It's like, how can you say something I so flippant oh about a man who has <sighs> been your friend and who has been your biggest supporter, you know, when it comes to Franco and has been there for you and your boys. I just thought like, first of all, it's just a minimizing thing to say. Mm-hmm. And you're you're taking a death of a human and acting like it's just some like, you know, like a little everyday annoyance kind of a thing. And I just think why it ticked Sam off should have been obvious to you because Drew wasn't, it's not just a loss for Sam, it's a loss for you too. So I just yeah. thought that was so weird how she made his death about Franco and about her. And at least, like, saying the words at least, I'm like, ooh, you're asking for it at least. Like, you don't say that in response to someone's possible death. And no, it's not the same thing that the kids have lost. Okay, I know this is mean because okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm liking Elizabeth. But when she's like, and they're losing another person. And in my head, I'm thinking, they're losing another one of your bad choices. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, God. Like... I mean, I'm not saying Franco was a bad choice, but it's just like, you can't, you can't just start saying, oh, the boys are losing again. I mean, you're, you're responsible for what they've lost. You're responsible for who you've introduced into their lives. You're responsible for a lot of, let's say, some of these failed relationships. Like, yes, we can call Elizabeth, let's say she's had some bad luck and love, no doubt, but some of these things she's participated in them failing yes oh my so god Preach. kind of just <laughs> acting like everyone is a like she's a victim her family's a victim yes they are in a way 
but you're comparing, you know, and I get it. Franco lived with her kids, but you are minimizing all of Sam's stuff. And, and I just find, like, this is not the time to compare. It's not the time to say at least. It's not the time to compare Scout's loss of a father to your stepchildren. It's just not the time. This was the time to come together. This was the time to be like, this sucks. You believe Drew's alive. What can we do? So I just didn't like why she needed to kind of, why there had to be a you versus me situation. And maybe it is because she's going through a lot and she just needed someone to fight with. And it's there. And I just loved how she, she explained to um, Hayden that there's like an undercurrent between her. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, Jason, we can say his name, right? Because that's what undercurrent means. Like, <laughs> like I was like, Jason. <laughs> like that's a new that's a new name that's that's a new one for me I was like okay but yeah so that was that was rough like that was rough but also now that we're talking kind of interesting because it's like that whole fight creates a push-pull like wait a second you've evolved and I've learned to like you wait a minute (laughs) you're acting like the person I don't like and I felt a lot of conflicting emotions in yes. watching that scene. So for that reason, I think it was a pretty amazing interaction. Beautifully written scene. But one thing you pointed out that I didn't realize. So Hayden was Drew's fake wife. And then she was yeah. also married to Nicholas. Yeah. So Elizabeth is very confusing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she got fake oh, married, yeah. real married to the men that Elizabeth wanted. Okay, so you know who hired Hayden, right? I don't remember. It I was Sonny's like... brother. Oh, yeah. his totally. name right now. So she was <laughs> dating him again. And then he wanted to make sure that... Um... Hey, Rick? Rick, yeah. So she was dating Rick again, who Cameron really... Oh, yeah. Cameron had bonded with Rick. That was like one yes. of his faves. And okay. so then he wanted to keep uh, Elizabeth from Drew. So then he hired Hayden to play his wife. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. And this is before Nicholas finds out from Helena who Drew really is. Who Doe or no name was. (laughs) (laughs) John Doe? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, because he was Jake Doe. Oh, Jake. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) So so I was like, I can't remember what it was. Um, (laughs) Mr. Doe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Mr. Joe. So yeah, so like, the, like that's the thing. Like you have like Hayden and Elizabeth there, and I just loved how they laughed after. Like Hayden was like, "I think Sam could have kicked my butt," and the fact that <laughs> Sam, you know, called them both out. Like we both know why Hayden came to town. Like you, you both messed with Drew. So just back right. off right now. Yeah. So anyways, that was like a really, really um good scene. Okay, so we're talking about how Elizabeth, you know, might be like displacing some of her like anxiety in that conversation. Like she's going through a lot and she kind of like used Sam a little bit and that interaction to kind of maybe let some of her energy out. So do you think Carly is doing the same thing? Cause like she's really on this dev thing and she hasn't talked to Joss about it. Oh, that's a good observation because she keeps telling Joss, you have to talk to me, you have to talk to me, you have to talk to me. But yet she hasn't brought anything up to Joss about Dev, like in terms of talking about how are we going to deal with this? How are you feeling about this? Like, I don't know. I just feel you're right. Between the pregnancy hormones, Jack's being back in town, Sunny's attention being given to Dev in such a different way. And she's kind of confused about what that means for them as a family and this whole adoption thing that I do really feel that it's displaced. And okay. So (laughs) in, in watching like her, her bringing this up with Sunny and all that, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm looking at this like the first wedge between Sunny and her 
possibly pushing her to Jax a little, like creating those that um, mm-hmm. those similar feelings from the past when it comes to them three. But then two seconds later, Sunny's like, like when you slept with Jax, I was like, okay. <laughs> So this is obvious to everyone in the room, not not just me sitting here watching. You guys went there. Okay, okay. So, I mean, they called it, but then Carly pulls it back by saying, you know, we tend, like, basically just highlighting their dynamic. We attack each other when there is nobody to attack, and they kind of said, mm-hmm. oh, this is all about, like, the baby stress. But she's still kind of going after Dev, and we know that the concerns about Dev were also raised by Jax. Exactly. So I, I'm, oh. I'm still holding on to this is sort of also just like the wedge between like the first, maybe the first of many between her and uh, her and Sunny. But I have to admit, I felt super bad for Dev because, you know, he was trying to find Joss too. And he thought, you know, hey, how are you? Why are you not answering? You know what I mean? Like no one could find you. Even your friends, you, you made your friends worry. And then when he was hiding and heard what Carly said and he looked oh, terrified, I mean, yeah. I just felt really, really bad for him. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the alternative? At the end of the day, even if you put the kid in boarding school, you guys are still responsible for this entire lie. So I'm not really sure how it undoes anything at the end of the day. I agree. I think two things. So when Jax, when you're talking about that wedge and Jax said in front of Sunny, in front of Dev, you know, we should have a family breakfast with just Carly and Joss have yeah. breakfast to discuss it. It was like super awkward. And I think that him raising the idea of Joss splitting her time, that maybe in the end, Joss will be spending more time with Jack so that Dev can be at the house and that that is going to push because then Carly's going to go probably to Jax's house more. Like there's this whole dynamic oh. that's going to shift in order to appease so that Josh really doesn't have to lie because he's not in that situation constantly. However, it's like switching things around a bit. Yeah, because I did listen to the Ingo uh, podcast, and that's awesome. And he did say it'd be really fun if he did buy the house next door. Yes, I thought that was so cute. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think it would be an interesting storyline. I think you're right about how that might unfold. I just don't know what's going to happen with Sunny and Carly because this kind of makes sense to me now, the whole vow renewal. Right? You know? Like, oh, look, we're doing our vows. We're so good and <laughs> solid. Maybe not. You know what I mean? Maybe they're highlighting their relationship because their relationship is going to soon be the focus of everything. Exactly. Exactly. I like. So I like. I'm seeing it a bit uh, <laughs> differently after you said that. So, okay. So something I have to say about, like, Valentine and, um, and Sunny. So, like, this is all at uh, Rocco's party. He decides. Remember his plan? His, like, great, great plan? Oh, Nina, we don't have to do anything for Cassandra because we'll get Sunny to do it. I'm like, you're not coming off awesome. Like, you're not coming no. off, like, like powerful enough to handle the situation. And I don't think you're reading it right either. <laughs> like, your ability to manipulate Sunny just didn't exactly work. And so then I started to think, based on a second conversation he had had with Nina, because the thing is, like, Sunny is like, okay, whatever. Like, my son's fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to wonder, would Valentine, because for some odd reason, he really wants to keep his hands clean when it comes to Cassandra, and he's really insisted that Sunny be the one to take care of it, and he's convincing <laughs> Nina that logically this is what's going to happen without actually setting anything in motion. And I'm just wondering if he would do something to try to make an attempt, let's say, on Michael to inspire mm-hmm. Sunny to take action if he sees that he's doing nothing. Something about his second conversation this week with Nina made me 
think that. Oh, I don't so know. Good. I don't know if I don't know if that's to to come in Valentine's next step. I I really hope not. I just liked. I did enjoy Sunny's response to him. Like I'm a coffee importer. Like I don't know what you're trying to insinuate here. That was so <laughs> funny. That was so funny. And I'm like, and all of a sudden Nina's kind of like being nice because like I mean, like we said, I have never seen Nina share a lot of scenes with Sunny. And the last time she did, it was pretty. Like, she was icy from the start. Yes. Um, not at all being like, oh, this is my daughter's boyfriend's father coming. <laughs> Just, I don't know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so she was a, a lot nicer when she wants Sunny to murder someone she wants murdered. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. But Valentine irritated me like just all week. I don't like the way, and we've talked about this and I, and I kind of go on about it. I don't like the way he tries to like, why don't you come home and sleep in the bed? Oh, let's get married now. Like, oh my gosh, like suck it up and be a man. Like, I don't understand. I like, let her take care of her daughter. Let her be her own person. You brought Sasha here specifically so she can be that mom, be that person. And this is her being that person. His version of taking care of her really irritates me. Well, his version of taking care of her is like, come here and stay in our bubble. Don't leave. Don't leave. <laughs> Don't pop it. Don't pop it now. Uh, I'm blank, um, please. <laughs> so far, it's what I thought with with um, Sasha. Like, if that were me, like, like I'd be like, stay here, Michael. I want to tell you everything. So exactly. I, you know, Michael really seems scared to learn whatever secrets she has. So I think that might get postponed. Okay, so deception came up again. So it looks like we might be onto something. Maybe Maxie is heading over there. But for now, like the whole Sasha potentially in the limelight, I don't know, not super ideal when you're trying to hide who you are. No, but okay, one of my faves is Obrick is priceless with her CrossFit comment. Like she kills me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Gosh, and I had no idea Sasha spoke German. Like, that was such a awesome, pleasant surprise. And, you know, we saw how invested Obrick is this week with Nina and how she wants to protect Nina. And I honestly think she just wants, like, Sasha to be on board with her so that nothing gets messed up. I, like, 100% agree with that. Realizing this week how much Obrick cares for Nina makes me a little upset because when Obrick started to blackmail Valentine, I found he was really egging on a bit of a wedge between the two of them. And I feel really bad about it, considering how much Obrecht seems to really care about Nina right now. I agree. But going back to Rocco's birthday party, all I have to say in watching was I was just happy Sonny's there because he's the voice of reason. And we saw mm -hmm. that, like, you know, he solidified that, that Lulu is part of the family no matter what, and he's known her forever, and he's able to see things objectively. Yes. And we know that we know that um, Olivia just can't, and I just thought she was way out of line. Like, if you're going to pretend to give a gift, first of all, you gave a gift that wasn't immediately believable to Rocco. Exactly. And you could have run it by Lulu first to see if she thinks that would be a really good idea, and you didn't. You're only seeing, like, this from a mom's perspective, and it's almost like you're expecting Lulu to be Dante's mother. And there's a completely different expectation from an ex-wife and yes. a mother. You know, and I thought that was so crappy that she decided to shove in Lulu's face. Um, well, you may not be part of this family, but Rocco is like making that comment that like Lulu's behavior had something to do with her not being a part of the family anymore. And I thought that was like really pushing it and crossing a line. Like, whoa, hello. Your son is the one who divorced him, and we all know that he's unwell. But at the end of the day, like, you need to respect his wishes. Like, you can pretend all you want, but you don't know their marriage. Like, you just don't. Oh, 100% I agree. 
what I did find entertaining and all that. And, and I get why that scene happened to show the lines, to really solidify the fact that they're not together anymore, to yeah. show that Olivia is still reeling and dealing with the information. And exactly that. Sunny was the voice of, you know, hey, let's just, you, you have to just figure, let her figure things out. And we don't know what's actually happening. But Dustin was one brave soul, let me tell uh-huh. you. I don't know if he read the pamphlet, but he has no idea who Sunny is. He has nope. no idea who owns Charlie. So he's just like, I'd like to stay. This is a cool kid's party. And I, I like seeing you. Let's hang out. I know. I <laughs> know that I'm like giving him death stares. <laughs> that I know he definitely picked up on. But I have to say, I really liked her being irritated. So if Olivia was bad that Dustin was there at Charlie's for Rocco's birthday, I guess she wouldn't be so thrilled if she caught them in bed. For sure, Lulu and Dustin were in that bed. And now Curtis has a brand new memory burned into his brain. <laughs> Oh my god, seriously. Um, uh, so, okay, so I'm curious about this. Like, before they got it going, Dustin and Lou, <laughs> he tells her a story about star-crossed lovers, and I just wondered, okay, maybe the story was just to, to create a moment, but I'm wondering, do you think there's going to be anything star-crossed about Dustin and Lulu's relationship? <sighs> well, maybe Someone was on that ship with them, which makes the story even more intriguing. So we'll have to wait and see. At first, I thought maybe it was Dante. Like, Olivia called and he oh, got her gosh. with that fresh meat was after his ex-wife. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's realistic. I think Dante is just where he is. And he's sort of let go of everyone in Port Charles for now. But it makes me wonder, you know, like, maybe Dustin is not so squeaky clean. Because whoever was on that ship was there before Laura and Curtis got there. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I really hope he's not shady and that like ultimately he's a good guy in the end oh yeah same anyways for a few weeks now I felt like we weren't seeing any Laura and so this week it was like she was back back you know what I mean like and I loved it um she was back ready to kind of fish around Valentine and and Nina which was amazing I loved how she tried to connect with Trina and Joss which was really sweet and I also just love that her and Curtis are back together well, that's what I was going to say. So staying on the lower front, I love that we got to see her be her, like, super straight and narrow mare. But at the same time, like, high-fiving Curtis so they can, like, be back together again to go on another adventure. <laughs> and I'm like, of course she has time. <laughs> Being mare is easy-beasy. So I really love that. And I love that she was able to squeeze him and squeeze him and squeeze him till he was able to give enough detail. <laughs> that suggest how beneficial this would be. And I don't know if you caught this, but the fact that Curtis said Spencer could return permanently. I like the Mm. sound of that. Me too. So that's really, really interesting. So for now, hopefully Laura is satisfied with her deal for the new facts um, about the case each day because Curtis won't, won't disclose to Laura who hired him for this whole case. Curtis is bound to give in. So what did you think of Julian's intimate goodbye to Alexis? Oh, God. Okay, well, I think she got the validation that she wanted about their relationship and her playing a role in him becoming a better person. And Julian was really cute about how he talked about Christina. We know they have a really great relationship together, and it is quite beautiful. Uh, But I think for me, it just reinforced the fact that they're over, at least for now, I think, or hope. (laughs) And that if they were ever to, (laughs) if they were ever to find their way to each other, you know, like maybe she needs to practice having a normal relationship so that she can be in an adult relationship with Julian. Yeah, I have to completely agree with what you're saying. And you know, what's the point of going through this like huge intimate goodbye like that if you're not at least going to say goodbye for a period of time at least. So yeah, that's it for me this week. So have fun at your trade shows. 
Thank you. Love you. Bye, Love everybody. Bye.